Hey everybody, what's up? This is Josh Vasquez and you're listening to the Savannah Zombie Podcast. So on top of this being the second episode for this week, uh, I thought I'd throw a little uh, something in y'all's way uh, for everybody that's a new listener of the podcast. Um, so I'm going to share with you the uh, audiobook version of uh, A New Death, CJ Story, which is the first short story that I wrote in the Savannah Zombie novel series. I'm going to release it in three parts, so it'll be a three-week kind of deal. Um, but for some reason, if you can't wait every week to hear it, then you can go over to Amazon, and I'll include it in the show uh, description below. And uh, you can go over there, and you can buy it. Uh, it's probably, uh, um, I don't know, anywhere between an hour, an hour and a half read. Um, of course, it's a little bit slower when I'm doing it with the audio. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to put that up here and you can enjoy that and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, again, remember, if you're listening on anchor.fm, you can send me voice messages and I can play those on the show or you can leave comments on the Facebook page, which is just Savannah Zombie Novel. And uh, yeah, I'd love to connect. Uh, let me know what you think. And uh, if you like the story, um, I'd appreciate a review on Amazon. Those are always helpful, especially for uh, us uh, self-published authors who are out there on our own, blazing the, the, the wild west of the publishing landscape. So anyways, yeah, here it is. Uh, enjoy. story by Josh Vasquez, as read by the author. Part 1. Panic. I could tell Mom and Dad were arguing about something. They always went into the room and closed the door to argue. It was a rare occurrence. They hardly ever argued. My sister, Haley, who was eight, hadn't quite caught on to this yet. She continued to obliviously play with her toys. But I'm 13. I know what's going on in there. There was only one other reason they closed a door like that. And well, that happened mostly late at night when I was supposed to be asleep. Gross. I guess I have it good though. I know a lot of kids, some of my friends, that aren't so lucky to have both parents together. And not only together, but parents who are still madly in love with each other. Again, gross. Haley put in the headphones of the cheap mp3 player I bought her last Christmas. I could hear the music blaring from where I'm sitting near the wall of my bedroom, most likely one of the countless teen musicals she liked. Dad told me to take her upstairs and play in my room. This was strange to me because even when they did go into the room to discuss things, they never told me to take Haley upstairs and play. With Haley off in her own little world, I leaned in close to the wall and placed my ear against it. My room was situated on the second floor directly above my parents' room. Most of the time, the conversations were too muffled to make any words out, but I was really curious this time. I held my breath as I listened. It was hard to understand what they were talking about. I kept hearing just a few words and phrases. It sounded like my mother was crying. 
The sound of muffled sobs traveled through the vibrations in the walls. Why is she crying? The only words that made any sense were spoken by my father. Leaving. Not safe. Cabin. Leaving? Where are we going, I thought. What's not safe, and why would we go to the cabin now? We still have school tomorrow. The cabin was an old farmhouse that my family restored on some land my grandfather inherited out past Statesboro, Georgia. It was our own little vacation spot. We'd go up there a lot during the summer months. There was a small lake nearby where we'd fish, kayak, and swim. In the cooler seasons, we'd go to hunt. We'd had several stands throughout the woods. But now was not the time to go to the cabin. It was the middle of the semester. Haley and I were still in school, and Mom and G-Mom were both teachers. Thanksgiving break wasn't for another week. Why would it be going now? I went to press my ear back against the wall, but I felt a nagging presence to the side of me. It was Haley. What are you doing? she asked, her little eyebrows furrowed. Nothing, I answered, as I pulled myself back from the wall. Ooh, are you trying to listen in on Mom and Dad? I shrugged her off and walked towards my dresser. I could feel her little icy blue eyes follow me. I picked up a model car off the dresser, inspected it nonchalantly, and then placed it back down in its spot. I turned back to face her. She was still intently staring me down. What? I asked. She placed a hand on her hip, which was now slightly cocked out to the side. This stance was a result of spending much time with our Aunt Lara when Haley was younger. I couldn't help but crack a smile briefly. It was funny. Haley was the spitting image of our mother especially since she got her hair cut short, right at the shoulders, the same hairstyle my mother sported. Blonde hair, blue eyes, same facial features. The only genetic trait she seemed to inherit from my father's side of the family was height. Haley was short. Physical appearance is where the similarities between her and mom ended, because Haley may have looked like mom, but she acted just like Aunt Lara. The same facial expressions, the same mannerisms, the same witty comebacks. The girl was the essence of our aunt. Haley was a combination of both my mother and aunt. This is something that my dad, uncle, and myself have often wondered was a good thing. After Aunt Laura graduated high school, she stayed home with Haley during the day and picked me up after school in the afternoons. Maybe all that quality time was where she gets it from. I'm told Haley's potty training days were quite the experience. I'm telling. Haley's voice interrupted my thoughts. Telling? On what, I asked. That you were listening she said, adding a certain younger sister emphasis to the word you. I couldn't really hear anything, I answered honestly. She seemed skeptical. What did you hear, she asked. If I tell you, you can't go tattle on me, deal? She nodded. They were talking about the cabin. I'm not sure why. I couldn't really hear them through the wall, I told her. I decided to leave out the part about leaving and it not being safe. And Mom's crying. No sense in sending my sister into a panic. The women of our family were notorious for jumping to conclusions. Not just any conclusions either, but the worst possible scenario conclusions. That's it? she asked, disappointed with the information I gave her. Yep. That's dumb, she said with frustration in her voice. She turned back to her toys and music, shoving the earbuds back into her ears. I watched as she plopped down and began to play again. I heard a door open downstairs. Leaving Haley, I ran out to the hall to the edge of the stairs. I leaned over the banister, listening. I heard footsteps and the sniffling of what I assumed was still my mother. I waited a minute before calling out. Can we come down? There was a moment's pause before I received any response. Yes, CJ, my dad said. 
I need your help. I made my way down the stairs quickly but slowed myself as I reached the bottom to avoid seeming eager. Most of all, I just wanted to know what was going on. I hated being in the dark. My father stood near the bottom of the steps waiting for me. Like I said, Haley received her height from his side of the family. I, on the other hand, somehow received my maternal grandfather's stature. I wasn't taller than dad yet, but it wouldn't be too long. Maybe next year I'll finally inch over him. But now, even as I stood on the bottom step, my dad seemed to tower over me. The look on his face was one of concern, a look he reserved mostly for serious situations. He had his arms folded across his chest. Before I was born, and shortly after, he was an army ranger. His appearance hadn't changed much since then, with the exception of letting his high and tight grow out and putting on a little extra weight from not being as active as he was. I guess when you stop running and jumping out of helicopters, your body tends to slow down a little. He smiled at me when I reached the ground level, but it seemed forced through his set jawline. It was as if he was trying to smile for my sake. I rarely saw my father worry, so his stance really began to work a number on my imagination. What would have Dad so worried, I thought. His ranger days were now well behind him, and Dad found himself in a slightly different line of work. He was a pastor. Well, assistant pastor if you want to be technical, but from what I overheard, they share the workload pretty evenly. It was more of just a title than anything. They were both full-fledged pastors. During his service, my father became a believer and surrendered to the call of ministry. He attended seminary, once finished with the Rangers, and began working on a degree in pastoral ministry. Not too long after graduating, we moved to Florida, where he worked as a youth pastor. But after a few years, we moved back to Savannah. He helped plant a small church in Pooler, a small town outside of Savannah, where he currently works. My father was one of the strongest Christians I knew. He was always teaching me about God and his characteristics. To be honest, it sometimes got a little annoying on how my dad always had a way of pointing things to Jesus. But at the same time, I knew he was right. Dad was always talking to me about God's supremacy over all things. How no matter how bad things got, God was in control. There was never a thing that was outside of his reach and power. This was the reason why Dad never worried. This was the reason why when crap went down, Dad played it cool and kept everything together. And that was the reason why I was so scared that he was worried. What is it, Dad? What's going on? I asked. Come with me, he replied, ignoring my questions. He led me into their bedroom where Mom was sitting on the bed. She had her back turned to me, but she was talking on her phone. I could hear her nose sniffle from the crying. I also noticed Dad's pistol sitting on the nightstand. As we passed the bed going towards the bathroom, I overheard my mom talking to my grandparents. They were all on their way here, and they had Aunt Laura with them. This information was strange because they hardly ever came out to our house especially on a weeknight. They lived about 45 minutes away, clear on the other side of Savannah. My dad walked into the bathroom and into their adjoining walk-in closet. Clothes had been pulled out and piled on the floor. While my parents weren't known for keeping their closet clean, I knew this was messier than usual. Aunt Laura might have a cow because she just helped my mom reorganize this a month ago. Dad stopped right past the door and turned to his left. Now I was really worried. He had taken me to the gun safe. He opened it after punching in the four-digit passcode and began pulling out our guns. I watched as he pulled the two hunting rifles, a Savage 308 heavy barrel, and the Ruger 45 carbine. Next was my late great-grandfather's 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun, which had seen better days but was still fun to shoot. Then came out some of our heavier artillery. Dad set out the Romanian AK-47 and his DMPS 556 AR-15 from the gun safe. 
Lastly, he pulled out my twenty-two rimfire rifle and handed it to me. The look on his face was solemn and focused. He knelt down to my level and looked me in the eyes. He always did that when he was about to say something important. CJ, he started. Something is going on and we're going to have to leave the house. We're going to head out to the cabin and hang out there for a few days. I want you to take your twenty-two, go upstairs, and get you and your sister packed for at least three weeks. Clothes, toothbrushes, shoes, and belts, anything you have to have. Son, leave the toys. Your sister can bring a few, but I'm going to need you to leave yours. Go and get this done. Quick. I nodded slowly, processing my father's request, then threw the twenty-two strap over my shoulder and turned to walk back upstairs. As I got to the bathroom's door, I heard my dad say my name one more time. I turned to look back at him. Son, I love you. I nodded again, told him I love you too, and turned to leave. Now I knew something was wrong. My dad wasn't one of those dads who hid their emotions or feelings from his children. He was always telling us how much he loved us and how much he loved our mother. I had it good. I knew a lot of kids whose families weren't like ours. But it wasn't the fact that he told me he loved me. It was the tone in his voice. I had never heard that tone of voice in my dad before. And hearing it sent shivers racing down my spine. The tone I heard was fear. Why are we leaving? Why do I have to pack? I don't want to leave. Are Opie and Millie coming with us? My sister was asking a thousand questions. Questions I didn't know the answers to. Why were we leaving? Why did I have to keep my gun close by? Why was mom crying? I don't know, hey. Just pack your stuff like dad said. We're going out to the cabin, was all I could offer. It seemed to do the trick because she continued to pack and babble on about something. Her voice became cloudy though and very quickly my brain toned her out. I went into my room and began to empty out my drawers and closet into my Florida Gator suitcase. I didn't pay much attention to what I packed, but rather just stuffed equal amounts of shirts, pants, underwear, and shoes. We had some clothes at the cabin, so I wasn't too concerned about outfits. I glanced over at Haley, who was laying out individual outfits on her bed. I yelled for her to hurry up. She huffed something and picked up her pace only slightly. My alarm clock said it was a quarter after four. I finished packing in 15 minutes. My football grabbed my attention, but I remember my dad saying, No toys and that I have another football at the cabin. I walked back into Hay's room, and she was still pulling out her outfits. She looked at me and gave me another Aunt Laura look that said, Well, are you going to help me or not? It made me smile. Does it matter how your clothes go in the suitcases, I asked as she raced between the closet and her bed. No, Bubba, just can you... Can you keep them together, she insisted. Sure, Hay. It took us another 15 minutes to finish packing my sister's things. She wasn't too thrilled about the whole no toys thing, despite the fact that she could bring a few. She stuffed a couple of coloring books into her suitcase and some crayons into its front pocket. She stared for a minute at the lineup of stuffed animals spread across her bed. After a moment or two of serious contemplation, she finally decided on a pink bear. I felt a little bad for her. Her stuffed animal collection was always growing and now had been reduced to one single bear. Come on, Hay, I said, ushering her to her bedroom door. She started to cry. What's wrong? She sniffled and tried to stop the sobs long enough to respond, 
I, I just, I just feel like I won't ever see my room again. Her words floored me a little. The thought that we'd never come home again never even crossed my mind. Dad only said we'd be gone for a few weeks, but we were packing like we were never coming back. I only thought Hay was crying because she had to leave her toys behind. She is just like Mom and Aunt Lara. It doesn't take too much to get tears out of our girls. They were all highly emotional. One look at her face was what changed my mind. Her cheeks were red and her nose runny. This was not fake crying, which I had seen plenty of. No, these were her real, genuine tears. Hey, I said as I wrapped my arm around her. It's all going to be okay. We're just going for a little while. We'll, we'll be back. But why, Bubba? I paused. I don't know why, but Dad wants us to, and we need to trust him, okay? She nodded and wiped her snot on her sleeve. That is so nasty, I said. She giggled and proceeded to try and wipe it off on me. I quickly grabbed her bags and ran. She chased me down the stairs. For a moment, everything seemed normal, like we were just messing around and having fun. Dad was standing near the bottom of the steps. For the first time this afternoon, he smiled. Be careful, you two. You don't... There were a few knocks at the door. After a second's pause, it opened. It was G-Dad, G-Mom, and Aunt Lara. Oh my goodness, traffic was terrible, G-Mom said. Well, I'm glad y'all got here safe, Mom responded. They talked for a few moments about the traffic. It was normally busy this time of day, all the people leaving work in the city and headed home. They made mention of a few news reports, but then started doing that thing where they pretend not to talk about certain stuff in front of me. It gets kind of annoying because I know they're trying to hide things from me. Have you heard from Josh yet? My dad asked after a moment of silence. Aunt Lara shook her head no. Not yet, she said. My dad began to pull on his goatee, something he does while he thinks. Well, we should start to pack up what food we can, he finally said. They began to shift into the kitchen when Aunt Lara's phone rang. It's Josh, she said excitedly. Hello? Hold on, I'm going to put you on speaker. She pushed a few buttons on her phone. Hello, can you hear me? My uncle asked through the phone's tiny speaker. Yes, yes, we can hear you. Where are you? My aunt responded. There was a brief buzz of static. Work sent me to Brunswick late in the day. Had to pick up ladders and no reception in trying to safe, but we'll be on the way. The phone went dead. Hello? Hello? Aunt Lara screamed into the phone. Nothing. G-Mom and G-Dad moved over to her and held her as she began crying. We stood there soaking in the silence. My uncle worked for a plumbing company where he delivered supplies to the job sites. He had to drive out of town a lot of times, sometimes to the other side of Georgia. From what I could understand from the phone call, he had to leave late this afternoon, putting him in Brunswick, Georgia right now. He was about an hour south of us. It'll be okay, Laura, I heard my mom say. If anyone knows what to do now, it's Josh. He'll get back to you. I know, she said through sniffles. I just wish he was here, and I wish we were all at the cabin. Okay then, my dad said. Well, let's get started packing. The sooner we finish that, the sooner we can get out of here. Everyone was quiet as we packed the vehicles with the food and supplies. We had our SUV, and G-Dad brought his pickup truck so there was plenty of room for cargo. Mom and G-Mom worked in the kitchen, packing up food and cooking utensils. 
I carried the boxes out to G-Dad, who was cramming them into every nook and cranny he could find. Haley was coloring at the table, out of the way, but I noticed that Dad and Aunt Laura had slipped away from the rest of the family. After taking a box outside, I went back in and said I had to go up to the bathroom. Mom nodded and told me to hurry. I went towards the bathroom, but kept going and went into my parents' bedroom. I heard voices in their bathroom. Aunt Laura and Dad were talking quietly. Josh probably will assume he went to the cabin, but just in case he comes here to check and see if we're here, this note will point him in the right direction, I heard my dad say. Yeah, and I know he'll probably come here first before heading out west or trying to head in town, Aunt Laura answered. At least to see if we made it out. With the house empty, he'll know where to go next. What's the safe passcode? 3836. Got it. You think... She paused. You think he'll use it? I doubt it, but I'd like for him to have the option, just in case he gets in trouble. Yeah, trouble, Aunt Laura trailed off. He'll be fine, Laura. He'll probably already got his hands on a machete. Heck, I'm surprised he doesn't already walk around with one. I heard her laugh half-heartedly, which I felt was my cue to walk into the bathroom. Do you have any boxes I can take? I we're good in here. Come on, let's go finish in the kitchen, my dad said, pulling me out of the bathroom. I had enough time to catch a glimpse of the note they were talking about. Written in the lipstick on the mirror was, Gone to the cabin. Safe code, 3836. I love you. P.S. Don't leave me to do this by myself. Don't die on me. What? Don't die on me, I thought. What does that mean? My brain began to race. I had no idea why everyone was so worried and talking in ways where I couldn't understand them. I had no idea why we were packing everything up and leaving to go to the cabin. I had no idea why I was carrying my gun around and I had no idea why Aunt Laura was afraid of Uncle Josh dying. And why do they keep saying they wish he was here? That he'd know what to do? Uncle Josh was good for a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, they were mostly related to video games or movies. If I ever needed to know where to get a certain Pokemon, Uncle Josh was the guy to go to. But serious things? The only serious thing I ever heard my uncle talk about was the Bible. My dad looked at me. He knew that I was trying to piece things together, despite how much I tried to play it off. He could always see right through me. What's going on, Dad? I asked, very cool and grown-up-like. The adults all looked at each other. I could tell they were telepathically arguing about whether to tell me or not. My mother and grandmother's eyes both screamed no, while my G-Dad simply shrugged. My dad looked back at me. I'll explain once we're on the way, son. Promise. I nodded. My father always kept his promises. I'm sure there was a reason why they weren't telling me, a reason on why they were all acting weird. I went to ask when we were planning on leaving, but didn't get the chance to, because a gunshot was fired in the distance. Another two shots were fired, and then silence. What was that? Aunt Laura asked as everyone moves towards the back door. Sounded like gunshots, said G-Dad. Dad turned to me. Keep your sister in the house, CJ. He turned back and walked outside with the others. I looked at Haley, who was still coloring and now had her headphones back in. She didn't hear the gunshots. As if she knew I was thinking about her, she looked up and smiled, but went back to coloring. Dad said I had to keep her in the house. Okay, done. I crept closer to the back door to try and hear what was going on out there. 
The adults were all standing at the bottom of our driveway, which sloped at almost a 45 degree angle down away from our house. I could see one of our neighbors talking with Dad. He lived next door to us on our little circle. From where I was standing, I could barely make out what they were saying. I edged a little closer to the door, trying my best to stay out of sight. Did you hear it? The neighbor asked. Where did it come from? I don't know, Dad answered, but it sounded close. The neighbor mumbled something, but I still couldn't hear him from my closer position. I don't know, I heard my dad say. He went to say something else, but was interrupted when another man walked out from behind a house on the far end of our circle. He was holding a police special-style revolver in his right hand. Don't worry, y'all. I got him. Sorry for all the alarm, he yelled. What do you mean? Are they here already? Our neighbor asked. His question and this new man's arrival seemed to agitate the small crowd of neighbors, who were now gathering near the end of our driveway. No, I think it was just one of them. Must have wandered in the neighborhood somehow. Not sure how I got past the park side, though, the man with the gun answered. Our neighborhood was split into two sections. Parkside was up near Highway 21 and was called such because the neighborhood clubhouse and park was located within it. Our half of the neighborhood, Lakeside, was filled with tiny little lakes scattered around the landscape. The neighborhood wasn't split like this on purpose, though. It was originally supposed to be developed more, but was never completed. Dad said when the housing market dropped, whatever that means, the plans to build more dropped too. Which was a bummer because there were plans to build a grocery store and a shopping center towards the front of our subdivision. It would have been cool to ride my bike up there and get a snack or something. I inched closer to try and hear exactly what wandered into our neighborhood. Maybe some kind of animal, I thought. No, they keep referring to them in the plural. What are we going to do? Someone asked. I'm getting out of here. Me too. Everyone started talking about leaving and arming themselves with guns and other handheld weapons. My thoughts on the probability of it being an animal were now very low. Unless, of course, it was a pack of rabbit bears or something. But I seriously doubt it was a pack of rabbit bears. I noticed Miss P standing at the edge of the group. She was dressed in a bathrobe and slippers. Her hair was dry, so maybe she was fixing to get in the shower when all this commotion started. She noticed me staring at her and forced a smile in my direction. Miss P often would look in on us for my parents whenever they would go out on dates. They still felt I was a little too young to stay home and watch Haley, so she was kind enough to check on us. A lot of times she'd come over and play games. She was young and pretty, and well, I didn't really mind her coming over. She smelled nice too. The man with a gun raised his voice, breaking up my thoughts about Miss P and tried to speak over the murmuring of the crowd. Everyone calm down. It was just one of them for crying out loud. We're not even near the city. The crowd seemed unsatisfied with the man's words. It really only seemed to stir them up more. My dad raised his hands, trying to quiet and calm everyone down. Listen, everybody, he said. We all need to go back to our homes, secure them, and sit tight. Sit tight, I thought. It's not what we're doing. Why would he tell them that? If you have firearms, he continued, I'd suggest you keep them loaded and close by you. If you don't, I'd recommend you find any type of hand tool, such as a hammer or crowbar. We don't need to panic. That'll only cause us more trouble. If everyone keeps a cool head about this, we can all get through this safely. Now everyone go home. The crowd swallowed what my dad said much better than the other man's words. He gave my dad a smug look and walked back towards his house. One by one, everyone went back towards their homes. Our neighbor gave my dad a head nod and walked back to his house. Once everyone was gone, dad motioned for the rest of our family to follow him back into the house. I darted back into the kitchen and quickly sat at the table next to Haley.
She looked at me strange, wondering why I was sitting so close to her. Her music was still going strong. I gave her a smile, to which she mouthed, You're weird, and went back to her crayons and paper. The adults all looked more worried now than they had been all afternoon. Dad was pulling on his goatee again. What do we do now, Chris? G-Mom asked, her voice somewhat shaken. Without any hesitation at all, Dan answered her. We leave. Now. Everyone began to feverishly gather the remaining things to put in our cars. Haley was prepping our dogs for the trip. She struggled to get Millie, our Siberian husky, into her kennel. Millie was nearly as tall as Haley, which isn't saying much given Haley's vertical handicap. Opie, a Boston Terrier and Haley's dog, eagerly waited at her side. Opie has always been extremely loyal to Haley, even going as far as allowing himself to be dressed up in pretty pink princess clothes. I didn't really care for either of the dogs, but I had to feel sorry for Opie sometimes. He was a good and loyal dog. Dad broke my attention when he shoved a box in my hands. He pointed his elbow in the direction of the cars, indicating for me to follow him outside. Once our cargo, the last of the boxes, was secure, he turned and looked at me. I could tell he was sizing me up again. I tried my best to hide my confusion and uneasiness. Look, son, he started gently, a change in this whole demeanor from this afternoon. This is going to be hard to explain, and maybe even hard to understand. But what is happening, and why we are leaving is... Dad was cut short by the quick popping of gunfire behind us. We spun around quickly to see the same man from earlier who fired his pistol. He stumbled back out from behind the far house, tripping over his feet into the cul-de-sac and falling to the pavement. He scrambled clumsily to get back up on his feet, but was unable to do so. If he would have used both arms, maybe he could have gotten up, but he kept his gun pointed shakily in the direction he came from. A group of four people walked out from behind the house. Their pace was slow and their footing seemed equally unsure. From the distance I was at, they all seemed to be in a daze, but were focused intently on the man with the gun. He began firing into them. The only time I've come close to seeing people shot was in movies or the online shooters I played with my uncle. This was nothing like that. As the man unloaded the rest of his gun into the approaching people, I could do nothing else but stand there with my jaw dropped. It all happened so fast, but almost seemed to slow down in time. The gunfire didn't slow the mob. The man must have been a real sucky shot. No. There's no way. He's not even ten feet away from them. Haley could hit something from that distance. I could see blood slowly trickling down the front two chests. The man definitely made contact, but they weren't stopping. Not even slowing down. They didn't even do the natural human reaction and try and shield themselves from the oncoming gunfire. I could see now that most of their clothes were tattered or torn in some way. Back! Back! The man screamed as I closed in on him. The leader of the pack fell to his knees, grasping the man around the ankle. He howled out in agony as the hand clasped around his leg and tried to kick himself free. The other followed suit began latching onto the fallen man. He screamed and fought and tried to kick them away, but they were very quickly overpowered him. They began biting him. It was then that I realized what was going on. Why everyone was so panicked. Why my family was all wishing Uncle Josh was here and that he would know what to do. It was also the reason my dad had me strap my 22 rimfire rifle to my back. Zombies.
Hey, and so that's it. Yeah, that's the first uh, part of A New Death, CJ Story. Tune in next week uh, for part two, and in the following week for part three. And uh, for some reason, if you can't wait that long to listen to it, you can either go to Amazon and buy the book. It's a short story, so it's about probably an hour, hour and a half read. And you can enjoy it that way, or you can head on over to my YouTube page, and they are available there. Uh, it's, it's a couple of the first things that I posted on there, so check those out. Uh, and if, you, if you enjoy them, just uh, leave me a like on those videos. That'd be great. Uh, that's always helpful. And uh, yeah, if you like it, uh, I really appreciate it. A review on Amazon um, does help out self-published authors uh, a lot. And um, yeah, it would really mean a lot to me to know what you think. So uh, good or bad. But yeah. Um, also, just a reminder, if you're listening on Anchor.fm, you can leave me a message and I can play it in the episodes and uh, we can start a conversation that way. And that'll be fun. So, yeah. And uh, probably be back with a, another episode at the beginning of next week. And uh, I've got a few ideas that I'm kicking around. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So, see you next week.